Listeners, we are going to pick up our show that is already in progress. This is the second half of our episode where we revisit Scream with the special guest LB from the site Grumpire, as well as the podcast of the same name, and Brian Kuyper from the Movies for Life podcast, as well as a columnist for Bloody Disgusting and many other sites. So we pick up with the second half of our show on Scream. So... Let's talk about a couple of the ca- more characters here. I'm going to jump ahead to Randy. Uh, the rec- I have this section marked as the reckoning for Randy <laughs> because I feel like this is a character like as Scream has been reevaluated, as Scream 4 has entered the lexicon is one of those movies that is like, oh, maybe we missed the boat on this the first time around. Um I remember Randy being like really well regarded, really well liked during the initial run of Scream and his death in Scream 2. Like there was like genuine shock and real yep. sadness when he was killed off. Um, and I felt like he was a mouthpiece for the and obviously he was meant to be. He was a mouthpiece for the fans. Like most of us could see that character and be like, yeah, that's me. Like goofy, but he wasn't bumbling. And he wasn't like overly obnoxious. He was a bit much. Right. I mean, my favorite subtle moment in Scream is the video store scene. The young woman in the background, when Randy is doing his whole like, there's always a reason to kill your girlfriend. He And he's like foaming at the mouth. Like she's looking at him with her eyebrows raised and she just mm-hmm. looks around with this look like, can you all believe this shit right now? And then wanders <laughs> off. It's a great funny Uh moment that gets me every time um i feel like in the past two to three years there's been this reevaluation like if i was a writer for slate and they were like write me a headline about randy it would be like what horror fans get wrong about randy not being as toxic as the two actual killers in scream like Mm -hmm. For some reason, it is worse for Randy to kind of be like a dick about movies a little bit than it is to actually like murder young women. It's like, well, right. that part's OK. You know, the murdering women. Yeah, that's bad. But this dude's gatekeeping movies like that is the worst <laughs> thing you can do. And like why Randy is the worst, actually. Well, the thing is, he doesn't actually gatekeep. He just kind of says, no. yeah, they, they ask, they Thank come you. to him and ask him, what's the werewolf movie with E.T.'s mm-hmm. mom? And he says, it's the howling. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he's just he just knows just, it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just knows stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not he's not like you're a piece of shit if you don't know this. Like no. right. he's mm-hmm. yeah, he's just you're the guy that you go to when you need to like know what video to rent. I mean mm-hmm. like a lot of us are that. Yeah. You know? He in in I would like you get that. I think like there's no evidence of him being a gatekeeper in this movie. Even like the famous rules scene 
when you go back and watch that scene, he's not like castigating anyone for not knowing the rules of horror. Like he's like no drinking as he's like clinking beers with everybody. Yeah. Like his tongue is firmly planted in his cheek. And Mm -hmm. you can, you also know, like he has waited for this moment for four years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? He is like every night he's waited up, like someday someone's going to ask what are the rules in a horror movie? And he's like, this is his Rudy moment right now. Like this is definitely, but, and he like nails it. And he's like, when Stu is like, I'll be right back. Randy's not like, you shouldn't say that or now you're going to die. He's like, Ooh, with everybody yeah. else. Like he's having yeah. fun in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one's like pissed off at him. Right. They're, they're mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're having, we're having fun. They're not like, Hey, start the movie again or whatever, you know? And yeah. it's just, it's, it's, if he, if they, if he was mm-hmm. kept going and they were like, come on, come on, shut up. You know, that's yeah. a different story, but that's yeah. not what's happening. He's not the comic book guy from the Simpsons. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not that. Do you know um, what he is? He's hmm. the uh, teenage version of the monster kid. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's the slasher era version of the monster kid. Mm-hmm. So the, the ones in, you know, Salem's lot and uh, different kinds of movies like that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the monster squad, you yeah. know, that were into Frankenstein and Dracula. He's just right. the slasher era version yeah. of that. Right. You know? And you know, it, he's having fun in that scene. Like his character is having fun in that scene, but it also it functions as, you know, not not only is he engaging with his friends, he's engaging with us. Like he is mm-hmm. making he he's making it, us feel like we are there. We are with all of our friends. We're we're doing the same thing. Like we mm-hmm. know these rules because we've seen so many yeah. movies. Like this is not news to us, but like uh, it, it's just it makes us feel like we're a part of it, you know, like yep. we're, mm-hmm. we're in on something. Yeah. And, and that's, what's fun about Randy. And like, I, I don't think he's problematic at all. And well, I just another... see so many takes like in the past two years where like all mm-hmm. of a sudden Randy is like super problematic and needs to be reevaluated. And I mean, that's 2021 for you, I think yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, He's the Twitter reply guy or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I don't think that would be him. I just, he's not at all. No. And another thing about him is um, you got to remember this is 1996. We just talked Mm -hmm. about how horror was not in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. You know, he is a representative of the horror fan. He is the person who is a little bit outside of his friend group, you know? Mm -hmm. Kirby is different. When she yeah. shows up in 2011, horror's in the mainstream. Cool. Horror's right, popular. Right, right. So mm-hmm. Kirby is a representation of the horror fan in 2011. Mm-hmm. Randy's the horror fan, representation of the horror fan in 1996. Yeah. It's just the difference between being on the outside and being in the mainstream. Yeah. And that is what has happened in that time frame. And Kirby is awesome. Like I have, yeah, I love Kirby. Kirby. And like, if you're saying that Kirby is like Randy 2.0 and the improved version of Randy, like I have zero problem with that. Like, absolutely. Like I would hope so that like 15 years later, you get to even make an even better character, like zero issue with that. But it doesn't mean that like all of a sudden, I think the other thing is like, well, Randy, you know, is creepy because he has a crush on Sydney and hangs out with her. It's like, well, then, like, every high school boy and girl or non-binary person is a creep because 
we all go through that phase where you have like and I, he's never like super forward with her he never makes her feel uncomfortable like even in scream 2 when he's like yeah you know like i know sydney's never gonna date me but you know we're still friends you know he still cares about her a lot like isn't that a good thing actually like he's never like maybe if i save her she'll rescue you know she'll date me in this movie i i really have a, a problem with um the ease at which people call uh, men especially creepy mm-hmm. you know no. like it's it's kind of out of hand no to, to be honest Stu and billy are far creepier than oh yeah than randy randy <laughs> yeah. because Stu and, and let's move on so let's talk about our killers because <laughs> i think these are two of the best killers in horror history i love this duo I hate the phrase iconic. I actually <laughs> deleted a bunch of I, I I unfollowed a bunch of people today because they're like, uh, I feel iconic. And I'm like, I fucking hate I don't have time for you. Just like <laughs> unfollow. Like I'm not putting up with this nonsense. Um, I only use iconic when I talk about like Bella Lugosi and sure, yes. Boris Karloff, I guess. <laughs> No, I, I admit, I admit to know, using that phrase. <laughs> weird, but that's like, like Weird Al Yankovic is iconic. You're just a shitty hipster eating a burrito in a fucking, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, sorry. Look like a good burrito, though, to be fair. Um, I want to see, I want to see a movie. I want a new movie with Stu and Billy where they're like Abbott and Costello. Like Abbott and Costello do Scream and it's Billy mm-hmm. and Stu. That's what I want. That would be That's iconic what you want? to me. That would be fantastic. That would I would qualify. <laughs> I I you know, you were asking before, like Billy is the character like who knows every bit as much about movies as Randy does. Right. Probably even yeah. more so. Like probably at the end of the day could dig into the minutia mm-hmm. of movies even more so. He's the one making like the references of like what's cut out of the exorcist to get like a PG mm-hmm. or a made for TV cut type of rating uh he's the one that knows what kind of um what was used to represent like the pig's blood in carry like he's going deep and again this is pre-internet when this stuff isn't exactly like you would have to research this in books Mm -hmm. um because you don't have the internet you don't have you know making of documentaries as special features on dvds yet like you have to actually do the research um and I, what I love about Billy as a character is that it is Craven continuing to wrestle with his legacy and say, I am responsible for some extremely violent, brutal movies that are also very popular with younger people. Do I bear any sort of responsibility for if, if someone went out later on and was like violent towards, not necessarily a murder, but just violent Um, because I know, I believe like art has the ability to create tremendous empathy in persons. You can experience facets of life that you're not privy to otherwise and understand different cultures or subcultures or personalities or illnesses. And it can be a way to really raise awareness and create a much better space. But if that's true, then the opposite should be true as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Billy's line, you know, 
movies don't create psychos Mm -hmm. movies make psychos more creative that I unpacked that line in one of my articles. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was just like that line is kind of loaded in a, in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. You can really, um, you you can look at that as well. Craven saying, you know, maybe this is having an effect, and at the same time, we're still showing it, and it's it's just wrestling with those kinds of things. I think yeah. has got to be is something that, I mean, obviously he did. I mean, just the fact that he was saying no to this movie over and over and over again um, because of the, he wanted to make different, he wanted to make romantic comedies. I mean, (laughs) which is just, um, you know, it's funny to to hear those kinds of things. And he just kind of got, he stayed in this lane because Mm -hmm. that's what he was allowed to make, you know? And uh, that bothered him. It, but then eventually he just kind of embraced it and said, "Okay, I'm gonna let's do this thing." But, um, but that whole idea, I think, is 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 true. I think, mm-hmm. I think we can't say that um, things like advertising have an effect on people, but depictions of violence in glamorized ways don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's a tough road. It's kind of a tough place to discuss because as horror fans you know we watch violent movies we mm-hmm. like violent movies um mm-hmm. and they don't have an effect on most of us right, right. or they you have know. a se- secret effect or they you know a lot yeah. there's there's that correlation between sex and violence that you know mm-hmm. um, i guess sometimes we 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 see violence and it sort of awakens certain urges within mm-hmm. us you know i mean that's that's the nature of you know going on a date to a horror movie you know like mm. so you can be scared together uh, there's a clip i i found <laughs> recently of uh, this is this is gonna be crazy but okay so um you know dr ruth had mm-hmm. a, a talk show in the the 80s and i found this little clip of wes craven and clive barker on the dr ruth show which is hilarious um but it, they're just all talking about like the consequences of of uh <laughs> about horror movies and help me welcome Wes Craven who is the inventor of Freddy Krueger and who has a movie right now, Shocker. Let me ask you Wes first, how do you scare our young people in these movies? How do you do that? Well, I just basically uh, do things that I think scare me. So I deal with um, fears that I believe come from about the first five years of life. Things. You know, like the uh, frightening adult, the adult that's out of control, finding control in the world, uh, being alone in the dark, being powerless, those sort of things. And then I try to turn them around so that at the end the hero or heroine has control of his or her life. But it's very interesting. In the movie that I did see that you made, uh, The Night on Elm Street, you really had a whole family involved. It wasn't just you had a mother, a father, the teenager. Um, Do you do that? Purposely, so that the family is part of it? Yes, I, I think the, the, the family is a very good horror sort of situation in the sense that uh, the, the first fears we have are, are when we're little infants in the crib and we're afraid that we don't have control of our parents or they might be nasty towards us. So, 
violence and sex together so i mean Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's something that like probably they've had in mind for a long time but um you're you're with your your significant other and uh you you see these things happening um it's sort of it it might awaken a certain type of urge within you and i don't know if Mm -hmm. if that's something that we like talking about necessarily you know uh that these these things are so closely related um so i i don't know if that's something that maybe uh craven had in mind whenever he didn't want to do these types of movies again you know um so not just like um life imitating art in the uh teenagers killing each other sort of way but in in this other way as well well it's it's a weird argument that the movie makes it's sort of simultaneously um exonerates and condemns itself you know about its own violence and that's i think more interesting than a lot of movies will do um because they'll just say oh yeah you know we we're our hands are clean you know nothing it's like whereas this movie is saying you know maybe maybe we are contributing in some way we don't really know um but that at the same time you know craven's famous line you know i you know horror doesn't create fear it releases it you know it's a it's a it's a catharsis and it's a if that's an ancient argument you know that's the aristotle argument you know and and um so that is just uh, that, but it sort of presents it, both ideas, and I, I think that is a really intelligent way to approach the subject, making it a, a something worth wrestling over and contemplating and dealing with. And I and I like that. Or you can just ignore it and be like, okay, whatever. You know, that's one of the beauties of a fun movie like Scream. You know, <laughs> you can point to a number of studies too that have shown like persons who enjoy horror movies tend to score higher on empathy skills. Like they tend to be able to relate better to other traumas that persons are going through. They also tend to have a better grip on their own anxiety. And there's a number of reasons for that, especially if you enjoy horror at home, like being able to pause a movie when you're really anxious and take a breather, like demonstrates a way like, oh, here's a coping skill that I can use when I'm experiencing moments of high anxiety. I can find a way to like pause, cope and come back to it. Um, it's a way to show that like other persons have experienced, if not the same, then like a similar trauma. And we'll talk about trauma. I'm sure when we talk about Sydney, um, but like horror, I think more than any other subgenre, because I think it can deal in metaphor so much more mm-hmm. than other movies can um, where, I mean, you have like shows like Buffy, the vampire slayer or the X-Files where basically it was monster of the week, which were metaphors for, the trials and tribulations especially in Buffy of like just trying to navigate your teenage years Um, you're able to really find different ways to process the different roadblocks that you come across as you're trying to grow up certainly yeah, there you go. All right. um, I'm, I'm right with yeah, you, man. Stop yeah. my ramble there. Um, I do think you know, when you looked at the difference between Billy and Stu, I think yeah. Billy exhibited a lot of the signs of like a sociopath, mm-hmm. someone that could mirror the emotions of another person. Mm-hmm. And we, he possessed 
a different kind of empathy. It's the kind of empathy that understands how persons feel Mm -hmm. and you're able to manipulate them to your own end. And you Mm -hmm. see that, I think, not only with Sydney, you see the conversations he has with her at school. You see the conversations he has with her in her bedroom where he's constantly trying to get something from her. Oh, yeah. And eventually he's a classic manipulator. Yeah. Yeah. But also with Stu, like to me, Stu is very much like when, you know, when, when Sydney asks, like, what excuse are you going to use? He's going to say, ah, peer pressure. Peer pressure. My I don't think he's lying in that no. moment. Like you know, that. I mean, I, you know, I, th- one of the things I find funny about all the scream movies mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the, one of the rules is, you know, motives are incidental, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's scarier if there's no motive, mm-hmm. then they all lay out their freaking motives. And it's like yes. the only ones that really, that I really like as far as their motives go are Stu peer pressure. Mm-hmm. That is the best motive. Mm-hmm. And then like the killers in four, because it is mm-hmm. the dumbest reason to, <laughs> well, to do this whole thing. And it's, you know, it's, I want to be, I want to have fans, you know, in Scream 4. I love that motive. It's Here's what's even better about part four, The Killers. Yeah. You have a movie about the killer who is so upset about being in the shadow of a more famous relative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have Emma Roberts, who is the niece of, like, the number one actress in Hollywood over the past 30 years. Like, the biggest box office draw Mm -hmm. is Julia Roberts. Like, one of the few remaining, like new julia roberts movie like get we're going to it like she still draws numbers and uh is it is it rory mcculkin or is it yeah. it's rory mcculkin right yeah. who is the younger brother of one of the largest child movie stars in history mm-hmm. so you talk about levels of meta you have a killer that is like i want fans i want to get out from under my more famous relative shadow mm-hmm. and you have two performers that are like very much in the shadow of their much more famous mm. relatives i love <laughs> and i don't know if that was purposeful in the casting probably not but my fucking god i just love that level of like diving into it and it's sort of like an accidental meta feeling you know and that's yeah. one of the things that makes that so smart in you know what mm-hmm. you know whether it was it doesn't feel contrived that way it's just mm-hmm. this I, I love that element too yeah i love billy's motive because as a therapist i get to say this a lot to people nobody billy's thing is like your mom made me do this yeah yeah basically your mom cheated on my mom with my dad and then my dad my mom left your mom made my mom leave my dad. Mm-hmm. And I hear this a lot when I'm counseling persons. Like, this person makes me so mad, especially working with middle schoolers. Like, he made me do it. They made me so mad. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to do this with adults than with kids because kids' brains aren't fully formed yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like to remind, especially adults, I'm like, no one makes you do anything. Right. Like, you're choosing to act like this. You could choose to act a different way. Yes, they may have wronged you. Yes, they may be fucking terrible people. Um, I've said this to people that are upset about their marriages but won't leave. I'm like, you picked them. Mm -hmm. Like, at the end of the day, like, you know who this person is. Like, you picked them. Um, If you want to be with them still, what you do, then if they have things that really, really bother you, you either need to work with them to see if they'll change or you have to accept that is part of the package. But what you can't do is just lash out at people when they make you angry. 
I've also told sixth graders I have a master's in psychology, and if you keep trying to poke the bear, I will say things to you that will have you wake up screaming when you're 50. <laughs> I will give you nightmares until you're 50, so don't tempt me because I am that guy. Um, but I like to remind people, like, nobody makes you act a certain way. Like, you are responsible for your own choices. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much the... Uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, but before that, like rational emotive behavior therapy and Albert Ellis and Dr. Ellis's thing is like the reason we behave the way we do is because we believe certain things about the actions around us. You know, like what what makes us behave is not the action itself, but or the event itself, what we believe about the event. If someone says something that harms us and we choose to believe they're doing that out of malice, rather than out of like their own frustration or misunderstanding, then, you know, we're going to lash out at them, but we could choose to believe something different about it and react differently. Not to go too much in the cycle babble <laughs> train there, but Billy motive is like, you are making me do this to you because your mother, because of what your mother did. And Stu's thing is again, you know, like I'm just a goofy 18 year old kid following along with my best friend or, you know, I mean, there's also like a very queer reading of Billy and Stu. There was the blog in the early 2010s, Billy loves Stu, which uh, was a, one of the first kind of queer horror blogs that were out with some tremendous writing on it. Um, I always thought the name of the site should be Stu Loves Billy. Yeah. It doesn't fall right. off the tongue quite as well because I just feel like Stu, you just see like the moment where he comes up behind Billy uh, when Billy like confronts Randy at the video store and he has like his shoulder, his uh, resting his forearms on Billy's shoulders. Like this is a young man who is very much in love with his best friend, but you know, knows that like, that's not going to be acceptable. And I think Billy knows that Stu is in love with him and is able to manipulate him to his own ends at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always seen it as Billy. I'm, I'm sorry that Stu is infatuated with Billy and mm-hmm. Billy is just kind of using yeah. that for his own devices mm-hmm. and gain in the situation. When Stu lays out, his whole plan to Sydney. I and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong or if you agree or disagree. I I think Matthew Lillard is brilliant at this movie and I fucking <laughs> love everything he does in it. Um yeah. he's awesome and I'm here for the Lillard sans. Um I think he's shocked. I think he had no idea that any of this about Billy and Billy's dad and Billy's mom went down. I think he's genuinely like, what the fuck, man? Why wasn't I in on this? Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pick up that feeling a bit too. Um, um, all right. We talked about Randy. We talked about Billy. I, I want to get, I know we're going a little bit, we're going a lot longer <laughs> than I thought here. So do you want to touch on like Dewey and Gail for like two minutes? I don't, I know they're super popular, but <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this movie almost killed David Arquette's. It pigeonholed him for years. Yeah. Um, he talks about it in the documentary, You Can't Kill David Arquette. Like he was considered a serious actor up and coming, and now he's like this goofy dude. A serious actor? Yeah, it's funny. And they really. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Elby. 
Oh no, no, no. I was just, I, I'm I'm just struggling to think of his filmography before this movie. It sure the the doc it like goes back to like profiles that were done on him like Edward Norton I think like Affleck and Damon like they were considered like the mm-hmm. new up and coming uh-huh. going to be like keep your eye on these young men because they're going to like carry Hollywood forward mm. for the next 10 to 15 years and then you know Arquette does scream and he nails it as like Dewey like the mm-hmm. role was written for kind of like a muscle head cop right um, you know, like definitely the kind of cop that, you know, like beat the shit out of kids in high school mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, thought like sophomore year was the best year of his life and <laughs> now he's a cop. Yeah. Um, and like Arquette gave it so much wit and charm and humor, you know, like he almost pir- when he delivers that line, like I was 24 for a whole year, he almost pirouettes and it's so like feminine and lovely um Mm -hmm. but it also kind of was like now you're going to be the guy that gets to do like eight-legged freaks and movies like that do you know what i mean like he's not going to be taken serious after that you know and and you know the character of dewey really does kind of evolve i mean especially when you get into like four and what the you know Mm -hmm. watching the trailers for five i mean he, he looks like you know he's a million miles away from what he was doing in the first movie, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, is looking like the hardened sort of serious <laughs> actor, you know, kind of thing. But yeah. I mean, he's got a little bit of that. Even then he gets those yeah. moments like it's on the internet. It is, you know, yeah. like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know? Come on, yeah. Man. In four. <laughs> so I don't think him and Gail will be together in part. No, five. I don't think so I either. Think it'll no. be. There'll be divorce. And Courtney Cox is like wonderful as Gail. It's like a very certain type of broadcast journalist that was around, you know, the current affair, the Jerry yeah. Springer, the Maury Povich type uh-huh. shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I just really want to, because we're running a bit long, longer okay. than I thought on our sex. So I apologize for that. But let's talk Sydney. And LB, I'm going to turn it to you because mm-hmm. we were talking and I'm like, hey, do you want to join the show? Like you had like a much different view of Sydney than I would, which I'm fascinated by yeah. than like most people who, you know, I'm someone who loves this movie. I know. Um, so give us your view on on Nev Campbell and, well, and Sydney Prask. Well, okay. Okay. So, you know, there's a thing where um, a lot of times a lead character will be a kind of what they call a blank you know so that mm-hmm. so that you can project yourself onto the character so like th- they're purposely made to not be very um uh, you know have an overt personality because mm-hmm. you're able to you know relate to this person or you're you're able to project yourself like i said um so i understand why sydney is that way like t- you know i just i don't think she has very much personality and mm-hmm. it, so it's easy to follow her and it's easy to relate to her so um and that's not to say that she doesn't have a a certain amount of strength or anything Mm -hmm. like that because you know obviously she's been through a lot (laughs) you know um i'm not discounting any of that it's just that i i think she's just really flat and i don't i i'm i 
you don't like Bradley Cooper. I don't like Nev Campbell. I, I'm sorry. I don't. I really don't. I've never have. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think she's that great of an actress, to be honest. Um, and, you know, that's going back to even Party of Five, you know, like, mm-hmm. big deal. But um, so I know that's a really unpopular opinion. <laughs> but um, We all yeah. have those. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, so sorry. <laughs> Sorry to ruin no. everyone's day. Well, you're out. Anyway, log <laughs> off now. No. Um, there, there's so many other characters around her that are so yeah. charming. You know, Tat- yeah. Tatum's amazing. I want to be BFS with Tatum. Oh, yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's just sometimes it makes me wonder how these people are friends like how did they actually mm-hmm. meet like what do they have in common mm-hmm. other than you know did they just have a class together you know like that kind of thing so i'm just like where where, where does sydney actually fit in in the friend group you know i feel that i i'm i uh i've had uh, that's one of my problems with this first film is the friends that hang out with each other, I'm not convinced they would hang out with each other. Right. You know, I'm. I hate to say that because I mean, and I never saw that Skeet Ulrich and uh, and Nev Campbell would like be a couple. I don't right. see them that way. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't either. I, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Like, how did he That's... first ask her out? Who knows? Well, I would say he he probably asked her out after. His mom left. Mm. Were they together before? I I would say like the instigating inst mm. the the instigating incident to get them together is like his mom leaving, and then him going like, "Well, I'm going to date her for a year, and then I'm going to kill her." Although, then he has that whole conversation like, "We used to be pretty hot and heavy." Mm-hmm. Like we were actually, but wouldn't you recognize like your boyfriend leaving after he, so that's fascinating trying to do the <laughs> timeline. I, a big problem I have with a lot of modern horror is like writers often set up this false conflict by giving you unlikable characters that mm-hmm. seem like they hate one another right. from jump street, like right from the get go, you're like, these people should not be together. They're terrible for one another. Mm-hmm. They don't like one another. I don't like them. I don't want to watch a horror movie to watch people get killed. I want to watch a horror movie because like I want them to escape and then I don't I feel my feelings when they don't escape. Does that make sense? Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. You know what I mean? I like, love that that way of putting it, yeah. I also know a big part of high school is like some of your friend group. Like I remember when I was in high school, like um, I dated this girl who was best friends with another girl. And while we were all, while we were dating, I hung out with her boyfriend who was in some of my classes who I never hung out with otherwise. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't even remember his name now because like it might've been Mike as well. He was a good dude. He's just like, we weren't really friends, but like we would double date, we would hang mm-hmm. out. But then when that girl and I were no longer dating, like I no longer hung out with that guy mm-hmm. either. It was like yeah. a very brief window. Yeah. That is what I could see Randy being the outlier in the group. Like, I don't know, sure. like Randy, part of, I think what fuels maybe the annoyance of Randy is you get the feeling he's trying just a little bit too hard to like fit in with everyone. Yeah. Um, 
Here's my theory. Okay, so mm-hmm. I I can buy that Sydney and Tatum were like childhood friends that grew up sure. together, and they're they're still mm-hmm. hanging out. Stu mm-hmm. is kind of along the for the ride because I, I I buy Stu and Tatum mm-hmm. as a couple. Oh yeah, you know they would be the power couple, man. Yeah, <laughs> but but then you know, and then maybe Randy is like you know, um, he sort of tagged along behind. Yeah. Um, behind Tatum or something when they were little mm-hmm. and they just kind of keep him around. But mm-hmm. to me, the square peg has always been, um, has always been, uh, Billy. It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem he's, you know, I, I just don't see, I guess I don't Skeet see Sydney dating him. <laughs> well, Skeet Ulrich is like so beautiful in this movie. Oh yeah. He's a very certain kind of nineties, beautiful. Yeah. And, I think that like when you're 17, 18 years old, you can overlook a lot of character flaws. Like, sure. like let's face it, like someone coming in and being like, our relationship is like the made for TV version of the exorcist. It's like, that's a deal breaker. That's one of those slight, <laughs> right. I don't have, I mean, I've been married like almost 20 years, but like, you know, swipe right on that i think is what you would say you know but when you're that beautiful and you're 18 years old you know people overlook that you know like there were i dated a girl in high school who like she modeled for a while and like i don't know why she dated me but to be honest like she was like super boring but she was so beautiful that I'm like, she gave me a framed picture of herself for Christmas, like the year we dated. And I'm like, what the fuck? Did she, you know? did she also live in Canada? No, she lived in Methuen, Massachusetts. Um, run one town over. Like she was super. Pretty. Okay. Um, and like, it didn't last, you know, I remember like we broke up cause she's like, do you want to hang out today? I'm like, no, I want to go to like buy records. And then I hung up and then I'm like, if I want to like go and buy records more than hang out with my girlfriend and I'm like a fairly horny 18 year old high school kid, I'm like, this is not someone I want to date. So we broke up. Um, you make mistakes like that when you're, I also <laughs> used to be fucking hot shit when I was young. All right. Uh... I'm not afraid to admit it. I am no longer that. That's okay. Um, all right. I will cut that part out. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so damn it i was handsome once um you're you're blushing so much right now (laughs) i know i am embarrassing myself um again i will mention my three-year-old nephew yesterday telling uncle mike has a gross beard which is the funniest shit ever so gonna tell him the truth about santa next year anyway um Um, just like you make mistakes, you, you make questionable dating choices when you're in high school. And I could see like Billy, you know, like he was charming in Mm -hmm. his own way. He was super handsome. You know, they had, everybody had money in the school. They're all rich, bunch of rich kids to me. Like Sydney is like really resourceful. She's a wise ass. Like she's got some good one liners. She kind of like, isn't afraid to 
And she's also given to moments of self-doubt, which I don't think you often see in Final Girls. Like, she's allowed to be really human, not just with the, like, sexually anorexic thing, but you see, like, when Gail confronts her with this, like, you could be wrong, like, your testimony put a dude on death row. He, you know, and, like, there's actually evidence showing, like, it wasn't him. Now that these murders are starting up, maybe you're wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. she's really shook by that. And you see like the self-doubt start to pour through to your point, Brian, about like maybe Tatum and Sydney wouldn't have been best friends at this age. Like, I don't know what kind of best friend would be like, well, Sydney, you know, your mom might've been the town bicycle. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that is not something a best friend would say about their dead mom, mm-hmm. you know, just so I, I do like this character a lot. And that is going to lead me to the last thing I want to discuss for this mm-hmm. episode. What are our expectations heading into Scream 5? Ooh, um, you know, it, the first, when I saw the trailer for this, um, I, I didn't want to see it when it was released on the internet. Mm-hmm. I waited until I went to the theater and then I watched, you know, was able to see it there. So I think it's more exciting that way. But, um, <laughs> from the very first uh when dewey calls her in the trailer and, he, and he's like it's happening again sid or you know whatever he says i'm like sydney yeah, like if i was sydney i would be like you know what yeah. you know what it's your problem he said <laughs> like, like no, no way pushing a stroller <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't i'm out guys i yeah, can't do yeah, this sorry one. you know sorry. it's on you yeah. yeah, I I feel the same. I think I've said, again, I've said this in psychoanalysis, and I may have said it here. I think the best cold open for Scream 5 would be just that. Like, Dewey mm-hmm. calls her up, like, Sydney, it's happening again. Uh-huh. She's like, oh, all right. And then she hangs up the phone, uh-huh. grabs a glass of wine and a book, and sits on her front porch, <laughs> reads a book, and it's like, oof. Glad I'm not in, you know, glad I'm not there anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah. Glad I'm not yeah you know peace out everybody and then it like smash cuts to scream five mm-hmm. and you never see or hear from her character again yeah that would be per- that I would that, that would be great you know as a west craven fan i gotta admit uh i'm nervous about this mm-hmm. movie um mm-hmm. because you know i see the previews and it's like it it looks fine uh but you know Wes, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, but that's me. I think that's my personal hang up. I'm actually finding myself more excited for things like mm-hmm. black phone and stuff. Coming oh yeah. Out. That looks um, great. You know, yeah. <laughs> got pushed back to June, but, um, mm-hmm. did it? But, Which shows yeah. they know that movie's going to be no. big. Hey, we're going to give it a summer release. Yeah. That was going to be my birthday movie. Damn. Yeah. It. They pushed it back because <sighs> they have faith in it. And that's a, that's yep. a great well, okay. thing. Okay. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, but uh, that's—I don't mean that to detract from the screen talk, but um, <laughs> yeah, I—I'm yeah, going to see it. I'm going in with an open mind, but what I kind of wish they had done is just like new nightmared the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, approached it from okay, this is Nev Campbell and um, you know the actors are being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and, you know, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, bring back, you know, the originals, the original killers and, you know, hey, let's have them all be friends, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and they themselves are being stalked by 
um, a copycat killer from Scream, not from Stab. You know, um, just like, you know, blow it wide open and just noom nightmare the shit out of it. I think that yeah. would be what I would want to see at this point because mm-hmm. I feel like we've, I mean, Scream, but at the same time, I was awfully skeptical about Scream 4. Yeah. And that is, you know, probably my favorite or, you know, tied with the original for my favorite. Did you- feel that at the time scream four came out because i i i love scream four mm-hmm. but i went back and read my original review and i remember it had a decidedly like it's good like tone to it and then a few years later i'm like no this movie actually fucking slaps like yeah. this is a great movie my my reaction was right away i think this okay. is the best scream movie Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Interesting, but I, and the thing is, I was—I didn't say it can't be better than the original, though, right? You know, so I would say it's the second best screen movie. But now mm-hmm. I'm like, for me, they're probably tied with maybe four, interesting, even nudging yeah. a bit ahead for me personally. Which the the original end of that movie was like going to be very ambiguous. Like, yeah, it was Sydney dead? You know, it was going to end with like basically with um emma roberts character getting away with it and then there was going to be the line like hey one of them you know she's still alive and we didn't know was that going to be kirby or was that going to who would not have been in the know about emma roberts's character or was that going to be sydney and that would have led to scream five but i think the movie barely broke even so it yeah. was shelved um i you know, like I loved Scream 4 years later. And I remember like when that when Scream 4 came out, did not seem to be a lot of call for it. Like no. there wasn't a lot of excitement for it. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot of excitement for this. I agree. Movie. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe we're we're in a time where I think we are definitely fueled by more nostalgia um, and I don't, I don't think I will fault anyone for that right now. Like, look, get your comfort where you can, if that's what makes you comfortable, mm-hmm. the world's a shitty enough place right now. Like if you want to embrace that, you know, fine, whatever. Um, I think it would be a huge disservice to like kill off the character of Sydney. I think it would actually be kind of arrogant to do that. Like have this character survive four movies and then have someone else, take over the director's chair and be like, guess what? We killed, killed the bitch. You know, like I would hate that. Like, I honestly feel like I might actually walk out of the movie and be like, I don't need to see the rest of this. (laughs) Um, I don't care as much about, about Gail or Dewey. Um, I, I don't get the, like, you have to kill one of them off. I'm like, no, you don't. Right. Like who wants to fucking watch Rocky die? Do you know what I mean? Like just who would go in, (laughs) Well, Joss Whedon, <laughs> as much as I loved love his work, like he's, you know, I know he's got some problems, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to say the least, yeah. like Jim, I will be stunned if Gail doesn't have a massively popular true crime podcast. Like I think that was going to be a plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my prediction, and it's based on nothing. I have no knowledge, no spoiler. I think the reveal is going to, they're going to go back to what Scream 3 was going to originally be, because it just feels like there has been so much chatter 
in the past two years about like, well, the original idea of Scream 3 was like Stu was going to be behind it. And it seems like the right people are saying that over and over again, where it feels like they're going to bring back Lillard, Matthew Lillard, Mm -hmm. to be the killer. So I am cautiously optimistic about this movie. I have not disliked any Scream yet. Um, I am hoping that this is the last one with the core trio. And that if there are more Scream movies, that like you can pass the baton without killing off Sydney, if that makes it. I don't think these have to be about her. I would agree. They kind of were making that move in four, too, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where they weren't where the younger um, cast was brought in to sort of mm-hmm. carry the most of the movie. And, um, yeah. you know, the original trio are kind of supporting characters mm-hmm. yep. in that mm-hmm. story. Uh, and I, I think that worked beautifully, obviously. Um, but, okay. you know, I'd like to see. I mean, I'm again, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this film mm-hmm. too i'm gonna be there i'm taking my son we're both excited to go to it we've mm-hmm. seen the trailer way too many times you know mm-hmm. <laughs> every time we go to the theater i mean even for like ghostbusters they showed a scream yeah, trailer did. it was crazy mm-hmm. um so <laughs> yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it but I'm at the same time. I'm nervous about it. I got to admit, I'm nervous about it. Understandable. Yeah. Understandable. Did, With all things, yeah. Did either of you watch the MTV series of Scream? Yes. I watched the, the two. I did not watch the third season when they moved it from mm-hmm. MTV, I think. Mm-hmm. But the first two seasons or one continuous story, I did watch that. Okay. I, I didn't see it, but um, from what I understand, it doesn't have anything to do with like Woodsboro or anything like that. Is that. It does not. Right. So do you, are you of the opinion that, that it works because of that or. It, it works much better than it should. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that they. It hits on a lot of the themes of Scream. It plays with technology. The, mm-hmm. Like Scream is one of those movies that always played with like, oh, here's this new technology like cell phones and smartphones now. And you're seeing that in the new movie where you're seeing like in the trailer, like the, the smart home thing, being yeah. turned against mm-hmm. them, which I think is wonderful. Um, and the, the Scream, the series did that as well. It had like a good mix of characters it had a pretty compelling mystery, um, and I would, and it even had like a Halloween special that very much felt like Scream Three, and that it was a little bit lighter and sillier in tone as a one-off, like ninety-minute special. Okay. Um, I remember not liking the first season on my first go-round of it, mm-hmm. and then giving it another watch, um, and feeling like you know what, it 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 actually was really it was really. I, this is my fa- least favorite type of like blogging, but it's like why this is good actually, or why this is bad <laughs> right, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. I actually enjoyed it a lot uh-huh. more and then enjoyed the second season, like concurrent okay. to that. So okay. I would give it a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. Okay. It's better than the show slasher, mm. which I know they do like a different, like both seasons of scream that I watched. They're both better than any season of that show slasher mm. that I watched as far as like, um, what was the other one that was on? It was on CBS for one season. 
it was like everybody goes to like some like island for a week and then there's like a killer every week i don't know i can't remember it now i have no idea i, I don't really oh. watch television so i don't even own a tv <laughs> i don't oh shut up God. no come on come on um no i kid all right I thought we would do like an hour on this movie because we covered it pretty extensively. <laughs> and I feel like I have trapped you here. And you're no, like, no. what the fuck, yeah. Mike? It's Sunday night. We have to go to work tomorrow. I don't have um, to go to work tomorrow. Uh, I have three days until break. Three days until holiday break. Uh, um, I have four, so. Oh, man. Then, Payroll doesn't yeah, stop, I'm, though, so payroll nothing stops pay no that's right so yeah. nothing stops payroll um <laughs> i just want to get through these three school days oh me. man i i feel you guys i was <laughs> you know obviously that finish line just getting to break was it was oh, yeah. rough <laughs> yeah we're lurching towards it yeah we're lurching towards it right now but i i you know i thank you so much and Elby, tell us about yes. Grumpire. Tell us about the Grumpire podcast. Okay. Because I, as a guest on that for mm-hmm. four, I love the concept of it. But tell us about the site and the show. Well, okay. Well, it's Grumpire.com. And uh, the the idea behind it, the podcast anyway, is, you know, uh, there's this thing that happens online a lot where someone will be afraid to say that they don't like something because they think that all of their friends and strangers are going to jump on them and think that they're the worst person in the world because they don't like a certain thing that everyone else does you know and um i think that that's just so dumb so like <laughs> the concept behind the grumpire podcast is we have a guest on who uh brings us two movies and the first movie is one that they don't like that everyone else in the world seems to like so when mike was on he was like i don't like toy story 3 so so uh, we talked about why you don't like Toy Story 3. You know, it's not just a, an opportunity to come on and like just shit talk with you. No don't like joy and goodness. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, right. I'm right. teasing, teasing, teasing. Right. So, yes. so I don't like rehashes of the movie. That <laughs> uh, right. There you go. There you go. Fair enough. So, so, you know, it, it's, it's an opportunity to express why. You don't like something in a healthy way in an environment that is, you know, we're going to listen to you and we're going to like maybe agree, maybe you disagree. But, you know, we talk about it. But the the thing about it is we want to also promote positivity. So um, the second half of the show is, well, if you don't like this movie, here's one that I actually really like that is similar in some way to the first one so like this this is one doesn't work for me at all but this one really really does so mike's alternate to toy story 3 was spider-man 3 so he got sam the, raimi's spider-man yeah, 3 yeah no. so what do they have in common they both have three, three. <laughs> <laughs> right right which is fine and you know like that that link can be as loose as you want it to be you know it doesn't really matter to us but um so really it's just like we want to try to promote like healthy film discourse without like you know just being mean and stupid to each other Mm -hmm. so that that's the podcast and you know the the word grumpire is like uh, so andrew he's he's my husband and he he um is the co-host of the show and you know he does the illustrations for the website and things like that but um we kind of have this reputation online of just like hating everything 
<laughs> or being grumpy so which it, is unwarranted it is so unwarranted yeah because we don't you know it's just that you know we like fair criticism and that that's the mm-hmm. thing just be fair to something you know you don't have to pretend that you like something just because you think that you're gonna get in trouble or whatever if mm-hmm. you if you don't but anyway um so the name grumpire is just kind of making fun of the fact that we have this reputation like mm-hmm. the the website um, the articles on the website are typically not very grumpy. Like we do have uh, a, a column called the piss take where we like take the piss out of something, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, but otherwise we're not that grumpy, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, you know, we, we try to think outside the box on things. So mm-hmm. that's, that's basically and it. Andrew's art is just like, I'm looking at the site right now. And yeah. Andrew's art is just extraordinary. Yeah. He's great. Um, is there a store for Grum? Like, if we wanted to buy some of his art, um, I know that he was selling the Halloween Four alternate mm-hmm. um, T-shirt over the Halloween yeah. season. Is yeah, uh, we have a T Public store. So if you go to T Public, okay. uh, I think it's T Public slash Users slash Grumpire, because we don't have any sort of. Uh, paywalls or patreon or anything like that Mm -hmm. so like everything that we give you is free but if you Mm -hmm. want to support us a great way to support us would be buy a t-shirt and you get this like cool art and by the way if you're a writer if you want to pitch something a cool thing about grumpire is that when you write an article you automatically get your own personalized illustration for your your article your essay so there you go that's very cool (laughs) That yeah. is grumpire.com. Mm-hmm. The latest podcast episode looks like Jessica Scott guesting on it to do a yes. pitting Black Xmas versus uh-huh. House of Wax. Yes. Um, and Jessica's one of our favorites and someone mm-hmm. you'll be hearing from yeah. on the show we had, often here. We had two podcasts in December. The Jessica's mm-hmm. one is uh, what, you know, is our Christmas episode. But we had, mm-hmm. as a special bonus, we had um, the nerdcore rapper MC Lars come on and he's talking mm-hmm. about Half-Baked and the Jerky Boys. So that's fun. <laughs> Brian, you have been like, have a column on Bloody Disgusting. You have, your writings appear on like, I, I'm going to mispronounce it, but Manor Valum. That's right. You have the uh, podcast you co-host with Michelle Egan, Movies for Life. What do you have coming up? Like, what should we be tuning in for? Uh, well, um, I think some things that will probably be out by the time uh, this goes live. Um, I've got, you know, I'm just plugging away at the Gods and Monsters column over at um, Bloody Disgusting, which is about pre-1970s horror, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have an article coming out pretty soon on Frankenstein for its 90th anniversary. Um, kind of the reason I wanted to start that column in the first place. Cause that movie mm-hmm. means so much to me. Um, and you know, I write a lot of stuff at bloody disgusting. Lots of stuff ends up there. Um, and I have a big piece I'm working on for manor on midnight mass, um, mm. that is going to be diving into some, I'm, I'm trying to be as sort of vulnerable as I can with that and just kind of take no prisoners when I, when I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I've got a new byline over at, uh, certified forgotten. I'm going to, I have a piece hitting there, which is a lot of, which was a lot of fun to write. Um, mm-hmm. 
and then that's a fun site yeah it really is lots of great gems and just highlighting these things that would get lost in the shuffle and and so yeah it's what's cool to say for them to say yeah we like this pitch Mm -hmm. go ahead and write that up for us you know um, Excellent. And I love, yeah, I love what Matt and Matt are bringing to the table there. So. For sure. Um, over at Movies for Life, we've got, uh, boy, we got the whole year pretty much planned. Um, wow. We're, we're going to start having um, guests on to talk about some of their favorite movies too, uh, which is uh, going to be a lot of fun. And um, mm-hmm. we're excited for that. Um, we've got an episode coming out on Sing Street and uh, That Thing You Do pretty soon and um our discoveries of 2021 and all kinds of things Mm so um yeah we're having a great so if you don't have me on to talk about rocky so help me god i will burn this whole thing to the ground basically (laughs) you know i just want to talk about rocky somewhere that's all i want to do uh, you know what i'm gonna i am gonna write your your name down and that movie right now because you know michelle is a huge fan of rocky i don't know if you knew if you want to watch me openly (laughs) sob just weep like a baby just watch me at the end of rocky when when he's just screaming for adrian and she's like he's like where's your hat and she's like, I love you. And they uh, the music plays and oh, I'm getting weepy thinking of it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find both of you on the socials if we haven't said that already? Unless you don't want to be found if you're like, we'd rather not be. <laughs> don't follow us. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, my at is at underscore smellby. Excellent. Uh, and you can find me also on Twitter at Brian D. Kuyper. And you can find uh, the Movies for Life podcast at Movie Life Pod. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So for us, folks, you can find, you can't, you cannot find us on Facebook anymore. I was hacked oh, this no. week, the day really? we record this. And yeah, I was apparently someone in North Carolina hacked my account <clears throat> and started posting like, extreme jihadist movement (laughs) on there they're like i'm expecting a call from the government tomorrow Um, man that's awful but like trying to reach and i've like i don't really use facebook anyway Mm -hmm. except to like promote the show um but like trying to work with them to get my page back has been ridiculous so um but you can follow our show over on twitter at pod and pendulum you can follow me at Mike underscore Sununian. We actually have a website now. We have podinthependulum.com. So um, you can go there and like basically all the pot. We have like a show notes on every page. You can link to our reviews from there. Write your own review from there. Um, all of our back episodes are up there as well. Like really easy to navigate. And it's very easy to subscribe to us uh, from that. So please check out like the site pod and the pendulum.com. A um, couple things you can do for us is, you know, really simple thing, rate review and subscribe to the show. I say this a lot, um, but like leaving a rating and a few kind words and a five-star review, it goes a long way with the whole kind of like, um, algorithm gods 
helping new listeners find us. Um, if you take two minutes and do that, and it's really easy to do when you go to podandthependulum.com, there's a thing that takes you right there. Spotify now allows you to leave a star rating. So if you're listening to us on Spotify, click the five-star button. It'll take you like 15 seconds, and it helps new people find us and grow the show. Um, so yeah, if you can do those things, that is huge. Rate, review, and subscribe. We will be back in two weeks with Scream 5. So I'm excited because we're going to be, it's going to be basically our instant reactions coming out of the movie. So I am either going to be super happy or bubbly, or it's going to be two hours of me going, this is horseshit, man. <laughs> while our co-hosts talk me from the ledge. So thank you so much for listening. Brian, LB, thank you so much for joining. This has been a blast. And again, it just proves I can't talk about Scream for less than two fucking hours because <laughs> I love this goddamn movie so much. Thanks, listeners. We'll be back in two weeks.